People matter. If people did not matter, we would not be where we are today. We need to put people first at the center of everything we do, says Amina Mohammed, the Deputy Secretary General of the United Nations. Today I have with me Mr. Mohammed Yahya, who's a development practitioner with extensive experience spanning over a period of 20 years in preventing violent, violent extremism, peace building, conflict response, and public policy. In June 2019, Mr. Yahya was appointed to lead the United Nations Development Program in the Federal Republic of Nigeria as the resident representative with a team of over 200 people who are supporting the government of Nigeria in reaching its key development goals. Welcome, Mr. Mohammed. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. And this is I Love Your Work. My name is Aisha Ogi. I am your lead for the podcast today. Um, so, Mr. Mohammed, thank you so much again for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. So, I have so many questions. So many. This whole week you've been in the news and I'm really, really honored to have you on the podcast. Um, I've been wanting to do this for a very long time. So I really have to appreciate you for making the time. I know you have a lot to do traveling the world, doing all these meetings, you know, working on the United Nations development programs. And this week, like I said, you've been all over the news on a regional stabilization facility in Meiduguri, Borno state of Nigeria. And Borno has had many situations lately that were not the best of news. So I'm seeing great news coming out of Borno, which happens to now be one of the most secure states in Nigeria. It's very secure. I won't say 100% secure, but uh, the insurgency has reduced. I think the government has done a wonderful job in, in reducing the impact. Yes. The conflict is not finished. Uh, but the governor says, uh, in his opinion, the situation is 75% better. It's okay. not 100% there, but it's better than it used to be a few years ago. Well, I'm really happy to hear. So I would really like to hear about the regional stabilization facility. Yeah. I saw some nice architectural photos yeah. of the um, program and the launch of yeah. the space, which yeah. will be taking in refugees, I believe. Yeah. But I would love to hear from you on this. Yeah, so the uh, stabilization idea is, uh, is uh, it's something that we at United Nations Development Program tried it initially in Iraq after the invasion of northern Iraq by ISIS, uh, especially Mosul. Mm. And uh, once ISIS were pushed out and the community had lost everything, uh, uh, houses destroyed, infrastructure destroyed, UNDP came in with the idea of stabilization to support government effort for quick reconstruction. Yes. So the stabilization work has three components, pillars. I don't want to go jargon on your, on your <laughs> listeners. Sometimes the UN, we, we, we <laughs> tend to talk yes. to ourselves. So, but uh, the idea is one, uh, to build infrastructure quickly, mm. fast. And this, this includes housing, roads, bridges, whatever that was destroyed and build it better than it was before it was destroyed. Yes. And use the modern technology, renewable energy, etc. A second pillar of the work uh, is about livelihood. People are coming back. Yeah. And in the case of Nigeria, many people have been in IDP camps for more than a decade. So they've lost all uh, the skills of survival, essentially, yeah. because they have been, been uh, relying on humanitarian aid. And now they're out. How do we give them the opportunity to restart their work? So the livelihood component is, is, is important. But the most number one component is security. Mm. 
Yes. People are in the IDP camp because they have been pushed out of because of the insurgents they've been attacked. They've lost family members. There are many widowers. Uh, there are many people who have lost their children. Taking them back to where they started from and restarting their life, we have to ensure that government and the, the and, and and the security forces are able to provide the kind of security so that they don't experience similar. Uh, experience that initially dislocated them. So that's what stabilization does. But the main aim of stabilization is to strengthen the relationship between government and the citizens. If you have a government that works for you, that takes care of your security, that invests in you, that gives you ladders of opportunity, many people tend not to be attracted mm. to join the insurgency. Because sometimes we forget when we say insurgency, we use words like terrorism or Boko Haram. We tend to think these people come from another planet. But they're they human don't. beings like you and I. And they come from the same countries that they're attacking. So the question is, why are they destroying their own communities? Yes. Uh, recently, uh, during the launch, uh, the governor Zulum took me to Mafa. And he showed me where he grew up in Mafa town as a child, where he used to run around. Wow. The house that his father lived in and, st and, his, and his mother still is there. And he told me all this was burned down. So I went with the governor, he showed me where he grew up. And the most striking thing was how, um, how uh, he was very open that some of the people who destroyed Mafa were from Mafa. So the question is, why are they doing that? And uh, I'm a strong believer that if you have stake in society, if you grow up in a society that, that invests in you, if you grow up in a society that in, provides education, health, security, and gives you an opportunity to, to better your life, you're less likely to join insurgencies. Yes. So for me, as a development actor, I need to be open and clear and say that insurgencies happen partly because development has failed. Mm. And development is the solution to stop more young people coming. And this is what stabilization uh, tries to do. Yeah. So Ngaram, which is about like one kilometer outside Mafa, is one of those places that were completely burned down by Boko Haram. Yeah. Everybody who lived there has been moved out for 10 years. To see people come back with the leadership for of the government. Yes. That's, that's, that's really Absolutely. something for us to all be very happy about. Absolutely. You know, I visited Meduguri as a photographer years yeah. ago. And mm -hmm. I remember the trauma, like the traumatic yeah. stories mm -hmm. that I had to document. Yeah. And it affected me in every possible way. I can imagine people who have lived that for Absolutely. 10 years. You know, what did it feel like for you when you went for this launch? I mean, the, it, it was very emotional, uh, I must say. I mean, uh, I mean, we all, I mean, you, you, I, I don't know which part of Nigeria you grew up with. You grew up in, I've in, been to 33 states. I've lived almost in at least 13. But if you think about your childhood, where, what streets do you remember? I know you're, you're, I'm, you're, I'm, you're supposed to... Even in Meduguri, I remember Lagos Street exactly. with the nice suya. Exactly. <laughs> so the, the, the home is so important for it people. It's, it's, it's when you go back home, uh, when I go back to where I grew up in, and the, the idea of, of remembering those streets, and you tend to remember... I, the thing that strikes me when I go back home is places where I thought was long distances mm, were shorter. They now seem so, so small. small, yes. But it, it's also... It's also it kind of... Uh, it's, it's a special relationship mm. with home. Uh, even if you work in some other places or you moved out, imagine not being able not to do that at all. That and anymore. I think that was the most striking part. People coming back home, telling us, I used to walk here. This yes. used to be here. And nothing was there now. But 
better. They've lost the smell, everything, the cattle. But to be fair, the government now, I mean, I was there, the government of Bono State has put 1,400 animals back, uh, gave. So there's a lot of things going on. So in that sense, it was touching. Uh, People are restarting their life. Uh, But it's not a finished situation. People have to relearn to live independent uh, from uh, handouts they were getting in IDP camps. People have to uh, feel secure. And Mm. as I say, the conflict has not ended. And there's still a risk of Boko Haram attack. So all those kind of things are, are still there. That, those are the things that worry me most. Yeah. The risk of... Of, of things falling, falling back yes, 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 to yes. the way it was. So I think for me, I, when I think about these situations, I always wonder, and I'm sure some of the listeners mm. would want to know, so how does the UNDP come, come up with these pro- programs? And mm. like, what's the collaboration like with government? I know because beh- mm. behind the scenes, yeah. I have had the chance of working with government. Mm. Um, but for those of us who don't, you know, yeah. how does this start and how do these programs come about? So for us, uh, I think it was good that you asked that question because some uh, people confuse between humanitarian action and development work. Yes. Uh, humanitarian action is very uh, specific. It has international uh, human tri- humanitarian law. It's impartial. It has all the principles. Development is completely different because you can't do development without government. Uh, and I always say that we can't love, uh, uh, I can't love Nigerians more than Nigerians love themselves. True. So which means then government has to be at the forefront of the work we do. So for UNDP, uh, the government of Bono, government of Adam Mawa, government of, of state governments, I should say, of, of Yobe, yes. are at the forefront of the stabilization work. And if the stabilization is essentially about building relationship between mm-hmm. government and the people, you can't have the UN in the front, neither can you have our flags and our logos. So if you go to any of the stabilization, you will not see one UN it's logo. It's purely UN. government. It's a government. And, yes. and, and government invests in their own money. Mm. For example, in stabilization work, federal government puts money, state governments put money. We also put money from our partners. So to yes. answer your question, the government of Germany, government of the uh, UK, uh, we get resources from uh, Sweden, Netherlands, uh, Nigerian federal government, yeah. so EU, um, so they come together, but we also get uh, uh, resources from government and we mix it together and then we implement through government mm-hmm. and I have a team of 50 people in my degree okay. that works across the livelihood component, the military, uh, civil military coordination, issues around engineers to make sure the quality of the homes are uh, what, uh, top notch. Yeah. So all those kind of things. Uh, that will but we are we we are in the back yeah. supporting government and mm-hmm. ideally for me success is when I'm not needed in Nigeria that and then and when we leave is when Nigeria doesn't need our support and it can do it by it, it itself yeah. and most time Nigeria can do but in conflict areas we tend to have uh, 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 lower capacity and then that is when yeah. we come and in. that's when you come in it's been an amazing eye opener I've always I, I've studied obviously uh, I understand Africa's history I know but. I knew a bit about Nigeria. Yeah. I visited Nigeria before. I even lived a few months in Calabar in 2001. Oh, really? okay. yeah. So I am familiar with, with the country, not as much as now, because I've lived here now for three years and a half. No, I've always said that Nigeria's success is, is the African success. Is that is If Nigeria doesn't fly, I always use the analogy that it's like being in a plane mm. and the for the plane to take off, we need a pilot. And yes. Nigeria is the pilot. So Nigeria is the pilot. pilot of the African plane. So if the rest of, I'm in 39B, 
think about it. <laughs> Someone in the back sitting there. <laughs> so I want the pilot to fly the plane. So yes. if I anything I can do and the UN can do to get that pilot to fly that plane, which is uh, the Nigerian pilot, then the rest of us will be in good shape. So for me, I understood very quickly mm. that Nigeria's development, Nigeria's uh, growth, Nigeria's coexistence and cohesion is is critical for Africa's takeoff. Yeah, I, I, I suppose when you're in a very prosperous, I mean, then what is the right word? Uh, very excited society in, mm. a, in, a, in, a, in a democracy that is still perfecting itself. Yes. It's understandable that there could be a lot of rowdiness, a lot of things online. But um, uh, I, I think uh, uh, my humble uh, observation has been that people confuse love of nation with like of government. True. So they, if, you're, if you're, a government is in power that you like, you like Nigeria. If a government in power you don't like, you don't like Nigeria. Yeah. And that, that is very unusually Nigerian, I must say, because I, in other African countries, people don't confuse. Yeah. They'll be wrong, but the countries I know in East Africa, People love country in spite they love their or, or country, country depending on whoever is government. Yes, so Nigeria, Nigeria, especially this is a social media phenomenon, to be fair. Mm. An ordinary Nigerian loves their That's country. That's why I said online. Exactly. Because yeah, yeah, we see yeah. a lot of that online. Um, I think when you go out and do Vox Pops, you have people who still have a lot of faith yeah. and hope. And I'm really glad that we have people like you supporting. Um, and I'll go back to what I said about the constructions, yeah. right? And... I've seen the beautiful mm. photos mm. of this place. And I know, b based on some of the things that I read, we have mm. a, 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 a female architect. Yeah. Right? Nigerian. Who's Nigerian. Yeah. Um, we're looking at the value chain. I don't mm. know what you have to say, because when, when we're talking about infrastructure and mm. the kind of facilities that we bring to communities, mm -hmm. we don't really look at the value chain of how it works for the community yeah. when we say oh we're just going to build a thousand houses you know how do you how do you explain that to our viewers our listeners to understand the importance of actually bringing infrastructure into certain areas in uh, different communities so let, let me probably go back so when i first came here UNDP had built some houses uh, i won't mention the name of where we build the houses yes because i'm about to say something not nice about those houses because they were very <laughs> ugly i must say oh, they were like gosh. boxes uh they were building boxes and a sense uh, first for the for viewers to know i have two bosses both of them are women but yes. both of them are nigerians yes so, so i have i i have to perform i can help you name them <laughs> <laughs> so i have a my direct supervisor who's the undp head uh, yes. for africa is a nigerian woman uh, yes. called ahuna mm -hmm. And the Deputy Secretary General, number two in the UN system, is a Nigerian woman as well. So, and they know this country more than I will ever know. Yes. And then being the head of a UN agency in a country where my two bosses are, uh, are, are female. Niger female Nigerians, <laughs> uh, puts much more uh, good pressure on you to make sure that you amb you, the ambition you have for the country and the work you do has to be at the, at the level that is at least matches the ambitions Nigerians have for yeah. themselves. So going back to the houses now. We, and I say we, I'm not talking about personally UNDP, but all the UN system. The, but I think we tend to have a low expectation for the poor. Mm. What do I mean? People are displaced. They live in an IDP camp for 10 years. They're poor. They have nothing. Anything we give them. Anything you give, give them. They'll be, yeah, they'll yes. be very happy. Yes. But I think we can do more. Mm. So we should have something more to offer them. And this is the idea of, and it doesn't cost 
too much. We're not talking about to put the little extra extras. Right? So yeah. making sure that we get designers to help build houses that do not turn up into sauna, for mm. example, because the place is very hot. It is. So you build them a box houses, you put some ramshackle things, and they'll be happy because they live in, in a horrible They were living area, in, you know, shacks, in, in shacks. Really, yeah. But then it's a sauna. You go into those places, they have a lot of kids uh, sweating all night yeah. in, a, in a place that we, we didn't think, for example, basic things like how how the air moves through or the, the, the wind comes True. through or, or ventilation, simple things like that. So then we thought, okay, why don't we get a top Nigerian architect who is patriotic about this country, mm. but has never thought about ever doing such a thing, but you know, Tosin. Tosin yes, was always- Yes, Tosin Oshinawa, yeah, yes. So Tosin was a well-known Nigerian young uh, architect who's famous, uh, globally a young upcoming architect mm -hmm. who normally designs very expensive beach houses, True. very expensive place for the rich Nigerians who were building Lagos. So I met her and I said, look, how do you feel like, how, do, how would you like to come and design an entire village that yes. was destroyed? Not one house, 500 ho homes. Wow. Uh, clinic, uh, school, uh, and 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 be creative, yeah, sure and be culturally se sensitive, and come yes. and, be, and so she said. After a few discussions, she agreed and she came and she stayed there for months wow. to to understand the culture. Based in Lagos, yes. So, so she had to go to Medjugorje, mm. understand the culture, the Kanuri culture, the Kanuri history. Yes, uh, because the specific place where we're building is a Kanuri-dominated area and show Arab. Mm. So she needed to understand the culture and then design something that is culturally acceptable, but of a quality and beauty that any of us will be proud of. Yeah. Yes. So this is what we did and it didn't cost too much more money than we had planned. And now we've launched this and it's a very, very 500 beautiful. 500 homes. 500. That's so how I will, many families you're looking at? The, so average the, 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 the family average. six to eight yes. per house, uh, two bedroom houses, and then they have, uh, you know, internally, uh, you can you have a little uh, vegetable uh, going inside mm, the, the compound, okay. so it's it's a very nice uh, built place. It's it's still a very, what you call uh, uh, the, 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 it's not a very expensive place, but it's well designed. So when you go there, for example, it may be hot outside. You walk in the home, it's cool the air, oh. the way it's designed. So it's a really beautiful. And that's the beauty about working with professionals. Working, working with architects, and I had to learn because I've never worked with architects <laughs> in my life. <laughs> And, and and all the discussions we had, um, the kind of creativity that it involves. And then saying on top of that, we had to get locals to be involved in the construction. We yes. had to get people who do murals. We use the patterns of the Kanuri hat. Yes, I think I saw the so drawings, the drawings on, on the, the schools. Front, yes. And then more, we want to have ambition for, for people to live quality lives. Mm -hmm. So then we brought solar panels. The Lovely. school is solar panel uh, generated. Police stations, the most, I must say, I, the IGP would contest this, but the most beautiful police barracks <laughs> in the world in Nigeria is in, in Mafa. Is in Mafa. <laughs> so you should go and see it. The same with the most beautiful police station you will ever go. If a criminal goes there, I don't think they will want to leave. I'm joking, I shouldn't say this. But <laughs> the point is, it's a very beautifully designed, yes. well-made uh, place. So, um, uh, yeah, so we're I, very proud. I think I'm very happy. At least we know the people moving back into that community get to have a life. Exactly. And I'm sure there is a plan ahead for job creation, oh, skill yes, acquisition, same, because absolutely. I know even within the IDP camps, yeah. there are a lot of trainings that would equip so, them. Exactly. To,
you know, so I, I really appreciate getting all this information mm. and I know the value that this has created for this community yeah. and especially for someone who's explored yes. um, the Meduguri zone. I mm. know the difference yeah. of what I've seen and the kind yeah. of life that they were living in the IDP camps. Yeah. And, you know, in shacks, a lot yeah. of these people had to build um, shacks by themselves mm. in mm -hmm. the middle of farms and yeah. areas and hide in the mountains and things like that. So... I think that's such a beautiful story and Absolutely. and I think even for Nigeria as well. Because yeah. when we're talking about IDPs, we tend to forget it's not just those living in that area. You have yeah. people who came from other Absolutely. communities that were doing business mm -hmm. in, in those parts who yeah. also um, became displaced. Absolutely. And it could be any of us. Absolutely. Any, and these, these people are not necessarily poor people who were they displaced. They were not, yes. People had their livelihood going on. They were... They had a good life, and there were some who were obviously very poor people who were displaced, and and they didn't. They were not displaced because anything they did. Mm -hmm. They were displaced because they could not be protected. Yes. And I think that is a message for government to do more, mm. and the government is doing more. To yes. be fair. So you, they are doing more in what sense? Security. I mean, security. I mean, I I I must tell. I I've been here three years and a half now. I've seen the improvement in security in the northeast. Okay. I know there's other security challenges in the country. But overall, uh, the military is doing much better. Uh, it's much more invested. I've seen in the police. I mean, for example, this place, we built a police station. There were no, there were no police station in Gavram for 10 years. Like, it was wow. all destroyed. Yeah. Police are back. Yes. They live there. So it's, it's, the police has delivered. And one of the most interesting part, relationship we have with government is we do parts of it. They do the other part. So yeah. we build the teachers' quarters. They provide the teachers. We build a police station. They provide they the, the police. police. Yes. So it's a, it's so it's a, a partnership. It's, a partnership. it's absolutely yeah. so. And the future of the of the ability of people to live normal life will depend on security and development. I keep saying, security approach alone will not end the insurgency. Mm -hmm. Development will end in insurgency yeah. because when people have something to do, they are not they deprived can be coerced, yes. and they are very and secure in the environment. It is very difficult. To, to recruit uh, uh, people into the insurgency. Yes. And, and and now we feel things are changing and, and we're hopeful. And, uh, and and hopefully these people will, we needed a bit of help. This is not charity. I just mm -hmm. want to, because people have been displaced. Everybody needs a bit of help to restart. Yes. And the entire concept is uh, real, I call it real freedom, independence from dependency. True. Of an IDP camp where you rely on being fed to going back and restarting your life. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's a really, I think it's a very positive story for the UNDP, for Nigeria, yeah. and for the people of Borno. Mm. And I'm sure I would love to continue going on because yeah. you have so many other projects. But you should visit this place. We need to I get you there. You probably I do a, a, a podcast from Mafa. Yes, the next yes, year. that would be awesome. <laughs> Hopefully, maybe in the best police station in Nigeria. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It would be very nice. You like, And it's very quiet. Yes, yes. yes. So I, I definitely look forward to it. I, I remember flying over those areas. Mm. As, you know, via yeah. helicopter mm. um, as a photographer and seeing yes, the beautiful remember, terrain. Yes, and it may be very hot during yeah. the day, but at night it is, the weather is so beautiful. And, there and is a very, um, the people are so generous, it's very nice. I, I keep telling people, I like, I go to Madugri, every, I mean, every quarter I go to Madugri yeah. and I, I try to stay as long as possible. Somewhere I will, you saw the documentary by Tayo Aina, 
Yes, oh, I no, did. It was such a beautiful documentary. Exactly. That's so, a, that's someone I I started following him yeah. a couple of months ago. I think he's such an exceptional so, storyteller. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I'm really happy that you're working with creatives. Yes. You know, yes. bringing in the storytellers, the narrative guys, yes. the people who will tell the rest of the world what is happening over there. You and know? also you. I mean, the the stories you tell, the podcasts you have. Yes, yes, um, yes. We we do as much as we can when exactly. we can. You know, and I think that's the beauty about. When we talk about development, it's not just about these people, yes. but every individual has a say and a way. Even Absolutely. just telling the story is important because Absolutely. people will get the support that they need just by knowing about it. Yes. So, you know, I'm very happy to see it and we really appreciate the work that you do. Uh, I Thank know you. we don't have that much time. But I definitely intend to bring you back on the podcast because I feel your life is such a, the little that I know is very interesting. Very, very interesting. I know Mr. Mohamed Yahya has lived a very humble beginning. I'm a peasant. I say I come from a small village. <laughs> he calls I have, himself I have a no, peasant. And I, I love peasantry. Just... It's, uh, it's an important life skill to have. <laughs> I come from a very small uh, village in, yes. in the. I, I actually was born in a city, but then I lived in a small village. Mm. Uh, this is why I'm very attached to the concept of how development happens. Why is On this the important? Level, yes, yes, yes. Uh, and bottom-up uh, development approach. So it's it's important to me. I love it. So we'll definitely be having you back. I look and to it. what I love about this podcast is we love to say, "I love your work." Yes, I love I, your work, and <laughs> so do yes, we do like a, a ch- yes, yes, that you, pay, so yeah, I, I, I love, love your work, exactly. and we also have a T-shirt for you. Thank you. That is Nigerian colored. Very good. I like it. It's Nigerian colored, and it says, "I love, I love your you. work." Thank and you. And we Very hope kind. to see you wearing it one of these days. In Thank the you. meantime, no, definitely. Going, in the meantime, I'm going to sprinkle the flowers. Very good. Thank you. Thank Just you flowers so are sprinkling much. now yes, as we speak. They okay. are. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so much for Thank coming you. on the show and I look forward to bringing you back on because we need to hear about that peasant life. Thank you, Pleasure. Mr. Moriah. Thank you very much. And Thank to you. everybody else watching, I look forward to seeing you again and catch you soon.